You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It is the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got a very esteemed guest with me today who uh, runs his own coaching practice, uh, but is also one of the Fearless Business Coaches, which I'm very proud to introduce Paul Wilson to the show and to my audience. Uh, Paul has dedicated the last 30 years of his life to helping people either as the emergency response manager at the Channel Tunnel, which is absolutely awesome, and more recently as a hypnotist and coach for business owners. Uh, Paul um, began his career as a coach four years ago, and we're going to be hearing all about that um, during the uh, course of the next 30 minutes or so on this episode of the podcast. Uh, but Paul, uh, I actually want to kick things off because obviously being fairly new into the coaching space, um, but as a very experienced human being, uh, I'd like to say, and coach, um, you've seen some challenges, haven't you, in terms of kind of, um, you, like, because you got into coaching at a very interesting time with what we've had to experience over the last two and a half years. Um, but I think that's starting to create a little bit of an emotional sort of trauma for business owners. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest blocks, mindset blocks that business owners are experiencing right now in 2022? One of the biggest blocks is this, the mobile phone. People are spending too much time doom scrolling. You know, oh, the economy's doing this, the economy's doing that, the world is going to fall flat, nobody's got any money, this, that, and the other. And people get sucked into this. And it's like rabbit in the headlights. What do I do now? Do I go get a job? Do I drop my prices down so that I'm paying then to be my client? Uh, People are getting stuck in this really horrid mindset of the world has gone crazy. I can't get any clients. I can't do this. I can't do that. So I'm just going to stop. And that is put forward by a lot of um, gurus online who are going, you know, like... Uh, there's a recession and you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do the other. Uh, if you're not set up, if you haven't got this set up, you're going to fail, you're going to die, and the world's going to come to a crashing end, unless you buy my program. And that's really starting to pee me off because, you know, it doesn't matter what program you buy, you know this, Robin, that it's down to elbow grease. So there's my elbow. That's my bicep, small one, elbow grease. Absolutely. So because I could go in, in any number of different directions here, Paul, with um, based on what you just said. So what's the alternative? So do we just like, you know, block all the apps on our phones, stop reading the news and all yes, of that? Yes, yes and yes. Um, do not watch the news. Look, I'll tell this is this is the truth. Yeah, okay, I am nearly 62 years, and for my entire 62 years, every day somebody has been, has been killed in a horrible, nasty, evil way. There has been a war going on. For 62 years of my life, there has been a war going on somewhere in the world. Politicians are doing what politicians always do. They're screwing somebody's boyfriend, girlfriend, mother, sister, auntie, uncle, pet, dog. They're fiddling, they're cheating, they're doing this. It doesn't matter what colour they are, whether they're red, white, blue or green, it's always the same. And the economy is always going up, down, sideways, round and around. So nothing changes. Or the only thing that changes is we change. We get older. Not me, I'm going younger, okay? But most people get older. 
So why watch the news? People, this really scares me. People wake up and if they got one of those fancy alarm things, the radio comes on and it's reading the news. They go downstairs, you know, have a cup of coffee, turn the telly on or watch and read a newspaper. And they go to work and they get in the car, they're listening to the news. And the news is repeated. I did an experiment once because I'm a masochist like that. I got up really early one day, you know, like about sort of five to six. That's really early for me. And I listened to BBC Radio 4. And they had a politician on who's talking about X, Y, or Z. Throughout the day, the BBC took sound bites from this discussion, which was quite innocent, and turned it into headline news, into scarification news all the way throughout the day, because people forget that news channels and newspapers, their sole job is to get more viewers and more readers. And how do they do that? By scaring people, by raising the temperature. So, oh, did you hear about what Fred said this morning on the news? No, no, what he said? Well, listen, it'll be on in a minute. Oh, my God, is and then people buy, people get sucked into this and it brings them down. It really does. It's horrible. So, uh, so I've learned something new about you, Paul. You're obviously the Benjamin Button of the um, the coaching world if you're getting younger, not older. That's I am, I am, I am. The numbers are getting high, but mentally I'm, I'm reversing back to a two-year-old, I think. I'm going to be three and a half. I like that. Well, hopefully it's it's not because of dementia or something like that. It's it's um, but <laughs> No, 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 no. Dementia and me were good friends. No, it's okay. It's fine. So who are you again? <laughs> It's it's really interesting what you're saying. So I, I've got two two comparisons to draw from last week, which I think will be really helpful at this point. So on Tuesday I went surfing, um, and I did it. It's the first time in a long time I've actually been out to the ocean, done it properly, and um, I spent three hours over three hours on my board. And it was just uh, first of all, it took me about thirty minutes to empty all the noise out of my head, just generally with everything, like you know, family news, work, everything, just empty out of my head. Um, but after that, then it was just this really peaceful moment where I was just like, oh, no tech. I'm a long way from land. There's no conversations or noise going on around me. It's just really pleasant, really peaceful. And I fed off that and I kept that probably fe- good feeling, like really relaxed, chilled out feeling for a good 24, 36 plus hours. Contrary to Thursday when I just happened, I popped onto TikTok as you do to go and have a quick, a quick scroll, you know, and I I always set myself a limit. I'm going to be like five TikToks and I'm done, right? That's it. Just a quick, just get that fixed. Off we go. And I, um, I saw this really great video. It was quite entertaining. And I popped on and I put a comment on there and it was a positive comment. I thought, and somebody came back to me. I got, I got accused of being a Karen. I got accused of being a bad father. I got accused of like all these horrible negative things and I was like, I've just done, I've done that to myself. I brought that on myself by commenting on something that really had nothing to do with me. Deleted the comment, immediately freedom. I felt good about myself again, right? And I think we can really easily get attached to what we hear on the news. It breeds fear. We can get attached to what we watch on TikTok and feel inferior to the other people that are on there and bring negativity on ourselves without really even intentionally like trying to draw attention to ourselves. Oh, yeah. Comparisonitis kills. That's what. That's one of the biggest things you should not do because 
coaches, especially new coaches, as in been in business less than five years, tend to compare themselves with coaches that have been in the game 10, 15, 20 years or more, who have got a big following, who are very, very successful, allegedly, yeah, because they've been around a long time. Because you know as well as I do, it takes time to get a business going and so that it's kind of like self-generating. And people go, oh, God, look, he's got a billion clients and he's, he's charging 500 million pounds a second and I'll never get to that stage. I'm going to have to drop my prices down again because life is so horrible. We have to stop being masochists in, in the business sense. We've got to stop being fearful because you've got a dog, haven't you? Wilbur, I think his name yeah, is. Wilbur, yeah. Have you noticed that if you hold Wilbur's lead really, really softly and gently as you're walking along, your dog, Wilbur, is really relaxed and chilled out. But if you see a dog across the road and you think Wilbur might respond, you tend to pull on the lead and hold that tension. That tension in you translates down the lead and the dog feels that. And so it becomes tense because you're tense. And this what happens when you're feeling tense. The post you put out, the things you write, the people you speak to pick up on that. Why is Paul feeling like this today? What's, what's going on? And so if you're in this doom and gloom thing, you've got no chance of kind of being able to help people because you're in such a bad place yourself. So that's why it's so important to get out of your own headspace and basically leave your ego at the door when you're corresponding with people. So otherwise you've got no chance. I'm going to say something slightly controversial, Paul. No, no. Do you think people get addicted to this stuff because... Um, that fear which it elicits, um, they can then use that as a bit of a crutch, a bit of an excuse for poor performance. Oh God, yeah, absolutely true. See, the biggest problem is people like to think they're working, when in fact the, what was it? Pro, I found this word yesterday, somebody showed me a video, it was brilliant, procrasty working. They're procrasty working. So they're doing stuff that isn't going to generate revenue, that isn't going to get them new clients. It's like, well, I'm going to tidy my desk. Or there's that thing, that article I need to read, which I haven't read in you know five minutes. I need to read it again just to memorize. People will do stuff that they think is work, so they don't do it. And then being fearful is great. Oh, you know what? Well, God, the economy, nobody's going to buy anything, so why should I bother? I'm going to go down to the beach. I'm going to go sit in the garden because, you know, Why? Nobody's buying. I've just been on that, that, oh yeah, coaching groups. With all due respect to your group, which is cool, there are lots of groups out there where people perpetuate this. You've got these coaching groups where, oh my God, you know, it's really bad. I've just to drop my prices again. Yeah, me too. I've dropped my prices. Oh, you've dropped your prices. Oh God, yeah, it's really bad out there. Nobody's buying, which is garbage. You know, I've seen about five brand new cars in the past day, and I've been out walking. Yeah, I've seen, I live in Folkestone, which is a little seaside town. This place has been bursting with people coming down for the weekend. If people are skin, if people aren't spending money, how come they can come down from London and spend a load of money in the pubs and bars and restaurants in Folkestone? That doesn't correlate. And Absolutely. so we, we need well, to get away from with it. All of the people who are having problems like getting flights in and out of the country at the moment, you know, and it's, it's like, well, clearly people are still able to go and have holidays you know, and that there is still money around. It's just, um, I also think part of it as well is, you know, um, if you don't change anything, and I think this is what where most business owners really struggle is they're trying to change too much stuff, but they're not changing the right things. And so when, when they try and, you know, they end up kind of just retreating back to the normal of what they knew. But when you, when you 
don't change the right things. Entropy kicks in. So things just gradually get slightly worse and slightly worse and slightly worse. Um, and actually what they're not doing is they're not like, I, I, there is a part of me which is a bit like adapt or die. You know, you need to adapt your business to those current circumstances, external circumstances, in order to make it work better for you. Is that not a more positive way to look on it? Absolutely. It's like a pond. As long as a pond has got fresh water flowing into it, it will stay full of water. Plants will grow, you get frogs and fishes and stuff like that. But as soon as you stop having that flow of fresh water coming to the pond, the pond starts to stagnate. It starts to fill up with silt until eventually all you've got is a dry hole in the ground. And that's the same with our businesses. Unless you're, like you said, you're doing more of the right thing, you're changing the right things. So it's the, the more fresh water coming into your business yeah? And if you just stick with the same stuff or tweak the wrong things, your business dries up and you end up having to go back to get a job, yeah? which is not why you went into business in the first place. Quite. And I, I was looking at, um, you know, so what I think it sounds like what we've established here is that many of the problems that business owners face aren't necessarily like business problems as such. They're much more <laughs> just around this and this. You know. I, I'm going to say something controversial. Now, are you ready for this? There's no such thing as a business problem. Go on. It's all up here. We get in our own way. If you think about it, all the technical stuff, if you need to have like a a scheduling thing or if you need an accounting thing, there's loads of people out there that will help you with that. So there's no such thing as a business problem because you can get stuff sorted out all the time, 24-7-365. We get in our own way. Yeah, like the doom scrolling or oh, I spoke to Robin and he said that, you know, I'm not doing it right. And so if I'm not doing it right, that must mean I'm really useless. And oh, I spoke to Paul and he said I'm not doing it right either. And I've seen Paul and he's got a bazillion clients. He's doing, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And what am I going to do? And then, of course, they're going to these groups and ask other people that don't know what to do, what do I do? And then you get all, well, what you need to do is this and what you need to do is that. And what you need to do, so instead of talking to somebody like you, Robin, we can go, right, okay, what's the problem? Let's have a look at your business. Okay, bang, 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 sticky prices up. It's, they talk, you get into this, um, let me give you an example. If you go into these groups like um, anxiety support group, yeah, most of the people in these anxiety support groups don't want help they want people to go, oh, God, yeah, I struggle with that as well, you know. Yeah, you know, last night I had to go to hospital again. Oh, yeah, me too. I've been to hospital five times in the last three days. And this. They want the, the shared experience of their agony. They don't want to get – and I think that's the same with a lot of people in the coaching industry. Because they're not prepared to sit down and do what they know they need to do, which always makes me smile now. They just want to get into the, it's like going down the pub. Hello, Paul. Oh, mate, you had a good day? No, shit day. Yeah, me too, you know. And they, they, they sit around, they just reminisce of what a crap day they've had. Yeah. Where if somebody comes in and goes, oh, yeah, I had a great day. Oh, you're lucky. You had a great day. We've all had a shit day. And so the guy that's had a really good day, is doing really well, gets ostracized because people want to join in the pity party. Rather than going, okay, what made you have a really good day? Well, I did this, 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 and this. No, we, we don't want that because we all want the communal misery feeling. Yeah. And I think that's is, what a lot of people fall into. Is there a chance, though, that business actually has got a little bit harder over the last 20 years? 
Oh, God, yeah. Um, the bane of my life or things that really, really pees me off, and COVID has kind of excarabated this, is lots of people will say, do I put on furlough and work from home? So people are working from home going, oh, what do I do now? What do I do now? And there's all these adverts. Why don't you become a coach? Why don't you become a hypnotherapist? Why don't you become a nutritionist or something like this? Yeah. Oh, I've always wanted to work for myself. I always wanted to have my own business. And so they pay 2000 I've heard people paying 10 grand for a two-week course before now, yeah? And they get qualified and they get thrown out into the world. But Robin asked me this question, what's the one thing they don't get taught when they get become a hypnotist or whatever? What's the one thing that they don't get taught, Paul? Marketing, it was two things, marketing and sales. Because to become a hypnotist is a piece of cake. To become a nutritionist takes a bit of work, but it's a piece of cake. The hardest thing, and you know this, is the marketing and sales aspect. Because what in the first five years, maybe even more of a business, we're not hypnotherapists, we're not coaches, we're marketers and salespeople. And people don't get that because they, then they get out into the big wide world is, oh, I just want to help the world. So I'm going to charge £25 an hour. And of course... Doesn't get any business. 25 quid now, you'd be hopeless. But I want to help the world. It's really, people pay all this money to be trained in a skill and they're not given any training on the most essential skill that's out there when it comes to starting a business, marketing and sales. I once spoke to a client of mine whose wife had just finished a four year course on becoming a nutritionist and dietitian thing. Yeah. How much marketing and sales training does that person have in the four years of that course? Well, you would like to think that at the very least they did sort of an entire semester's module on it or something like that, wouldn't you? One afternoon. So we're talking four hours maximum. Gosh. And if that happened in year one, like the world's moved on as well, marketing-wise, in four years. So... (laughs) So this person's paid thousands and thousands of thousands of pounds to be taught how to be a nutritionist. That person can't go out there and help people because she doesn't know how to, not been given any marketing or training skills at all. And this really pees me off because these people know this. These, you know, the... The, the big celebrity hypnotists and what have you, they're churning these people out by the thousand. They hire massive halls and get two, 3,000 people at a time. They teach them how to be hypnotists, but they don't give them anything that's really, really helpful about getting out there and letting the world know you exist. And that really annoys me because then these people, they struggle and they put all this money into courses and books and this and that and the other. And then they end up doom scrolling. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And they go into the groups. What am I doing wrong? Oh, you know what? I'm going to get a job. And they end up spending, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 grand back at zero. It's, it's, it's like a bit like so selling sad. somebody a, a, a car, isn't it? Without give, putting any fuel in the, in, what, but giving them a car, but actually having no engine at all. It's worse than that. It's actually giving them a car and not teaching them how to drive. Yeah. Even better. Um, it's, but it's interesting though, isn't it? Cause I mean, the thing is, you know, and, I mean, you know, I have a massive bugbear with the whole sort of coaching and therapy industry in, in that respect, in terms of those certifications they hand out. Because like they go, oh, I tell you what, and, well, it's it's not even that they don't give them the um, the wherewithal to go out and understand marketing. They actually teach them the wrong thing at the start. So they don't mm. understand how to, how to ask for money from clients. So they'll be like, right, you've got your qualification. Now, in order to get your certification uh, signed off, you've got to do a hundred hours worth of free coaching. And it's like, so, but now you've just trained a coach to not ask for money from prospective clients. So even if they can get the clients, they don't have the confidence to be able to ask for money, you know, and like 25 pound an hour, uh, you know, for coaching, 
even if they were working 40 hour weeks, which is, you know, impossible because you just burn out if you had 40 client sessions a week, you know, your, your earnings threshold is capped at 4k a month. You know, realistically, you could probably work with maybe 20 clients. The most you could earn is like two grand. And that in this day and age is not a sustainable living. Yeah, you're completely right. It's this mentality of doing stuff for free. You need to do it for free to get the experience. Well, practice. Get with your colleagues in the groups and practice with them. Don't go onto your Facebook page or TikTok and say, hey, I've just qualified. Come to me for free. Because, yeah, people go, oh, great, free. Boom, and they'll jump on you. And then when you start talking to people about actually running a business, wanting money, if you, you, know, you do that, it goes silence because you've done it for free once. So people are going to expect you in the next week or two weeks, next month to do it for free again. Yeah. And so you, you're starting off from, from a negative before you've even got your business up and running. Yeah. I mean, we, we, um, this, this is a testament to your, um, to your metal as well, Paul, because, um, given what we've just spoken about, I know this may contradict it slightly, but you just recently did a qualification and they did the whole, you've got to do 150 hours worth of what's it to get, you know, get the certificate. We have to caveat this, by the way, those, those, to those people who are listening, Paul is already an incredibly experienced coach running a very successful coaching practice. Um, this was more of a box ticking exercise, but what, when you told me the story about, you've got to do 150 hours, it's like, fuck that Paul, are you really going to do that? But you did it and you, you even blitzed through it. But there was something else which came out of that around like some of your other people on the same course who couldn't even get an hour ticked off the list. Oh yeah, well you you create you invented this thing called the B hag. What was it? The big, big hairy audacious goal. The big hairy audacious goal. So we just finished this training. There's a guy in Australia. So I've been up to like four o'clock in the morning doing this training, and somebody asked him a really what I thought was, I, yeah, there's no such thing as a stupid question, but this was a stupid question. What do we do now? So the the coach, I think he's been kind of like half sarcastic. He said, "Go and do 150 practice sessions," and people went. Oh, so I went to bed, I woke up about 11 o'clock in the morning and I said, right, he said do 150 sessions to do, I'm going to show him. So I went straight online into the two groups that he runs. Okay, just finished his training, blah, 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 blah. I've sat myself a BHAG, what's a BHAG, of 150 sessions. Yeah, who wants to practice, me to practice on them? So all, because you had about four or 500 people altogether in these two groups. And I would, people say, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I ended up, uh, in a period of about six weeks, doing 165 sessions, but only with people within the group. I didn't put this on my Facebook page. I didn't promote it to any people that to come to me. Free. It was purely within those that knew what I was talking about. I posted on my group to say that I'd done over 300 hours of practicing this new thing. And, you know, if you're interested and people, yeah, 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 let's book a session, Paul. But yeah, it was a hack, and I did it deliberately because a lot of people say, oh, well, I've had 15,000 years experience in doing this. You know, how many times have you actually practiced it? Well, maybe 10. And, but now I've got more than 300 hours of practice, not working on real clients, just practicing this stuff, you know? Yeah. And it was amazing. And the thing that really got me was, uh, like you said, people going, oh God, how'd you do it? What do you mean how to do it? Well, I've only been able to do five sessions. 
well, how much time did you put aside? Oh, I just did it when I could. Well, you know what I did? I normally work Monday to Friday, roughly nine to five-ish. I created a new calendar link from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. to cover the entire world seven days a week. And in some days, I was doing six or seven sessions a day with people from um, South America, North America, uh, Europe, Africa, India, Australia, New Zealand. I covered the entire bloody planet during that time. And it was fabulous. It was a great learning experience, yeah? But it just goes to show when you put your mind to something and you can do it. Because I think you talked about this a while back, Robin. So if you do, if you pick a goal like to do 10, yeah, you might do 10. But if you do something really outrageous, like a BHAG and go 200, 500 or 150, you're going to end up doing way more than the 10, even if you don't get to the BHAG goal of 150. And that's the way to do it. And that's why I did. And the ones that didn't achieve that said, well, I want to do 10. Yeah. Or I want to do eight, you know? And so that's all they did. And they, they got one tenth of the experience that I gained out of those 300 plus hours. And you, you ask a very, if we ask a very honest question as well, if, if somebody would like you put you in a lineup with all of those other people who've now got that qualification, like who would you rather spend your money with as a coach? Me. Like you go, yeah, exactly. I'd go with Paul because Paul's the one who like practiced his craft you know, it, it's a real testament to, like I said, your character of how you kind of, you, you you know, you just get stuck in and do the thing. And and I, I see a lot of, there's so much incongruency in the coaching space. Um, I was talking to a friend, of my, another friend of mine about this um, the other day during an interview as well. And I, I did a, a course with Rich Litvin and it was called the Pygmalion Effect. And there was something like 600, co- Rich only coaches coaches. There were 600 people on you know, registered for this course. It wasn't expensive, like massively expensive. It's like a thousand dollars or something. So six, 700 pounds. And it was um, one hour once a week for six weeks. And essentially we had to, we showed up, Rich was going to be coaching two people uh, and we'd be there as observers. We'd get an opportunity to ask questions. He would even do a bit of coaching with us if we were lucky enough, you know. Um, so week one turned around 600 people on the call. Week two turns around 500. Week three turns around 400 people. Now, these are all coaches. These are all coaches who said, yeah, I'm going to be a coach. I'm, I'm going to train to be a coach. I'm going to get my certification. And then I'm going to go and help coach loads of people. Uh, by, by the end of like week six, there was only about 180 people on the call. So you think less than a third of people managed to make it all the way through mm. all six weeks. The person I was speaking to kind of, you know, maybe made a few excuses for them and said, oh, maybe life got in the way or maybe it wasn't for them or maybe it wasn't this, that, any other. I'm like, no, again, out of all of those 600 people, who would I like to work with? I'd be the one who was like dedicated to improving their craft, who stayed the course of the six weeks, you know, because like what's going to happen if the going gets tough and you've got one of those other 420 odds who gave up partway through and what's going to happen with their clients when their clients turn around and go, Oh, it's getting a bit tough now. Okay, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You just don't bother. You know, don't bother showing up. Don't bother paying me the money. You know, but you can just go your separate way. It's no, like, that's totally immoral. It's totally unethical, right? Um, Because in my view, it's kind of like when, you know, when you enter into that coach-client relationship, you've got to be congruent. Um, Sometimes it's really bloody hard because coaching means possibly slightly more work, not necessarily less work can work the other way around um but i just think there's so much incongruency in the coaching space and I suppose that leads me on to my next question paul which is like why why coaching you made a massive shift in your career to leave the channel tunnel the work you're doing with the channel tunnel to set up as a hypnotherapist and a coach like what was going on there 
Okay. Um, it's really interesting question because initially I thought that something that happened during 2017 was the reason why I left. But I spent a bit of time reflecting on this. And somewhere in my dim, dim, dim and distant past, I'd set myself a goal of 25 years because 25 years is a quarter of a century. And that's like a nice round number, even though it's odd. I know it's an odd number, but it's a nice round number. And... Then in October the 23rd, 2017, I got knocked off my bicycle on the way to work and I broke a bone either side of my right elbow. So I was laid up for six weeks and I'd been transferred into a job that I wasn't particularly happy with. And it was like, do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? Six weeks of this constant backwards and forwards in, you know. And it's like, well, if I stay, I'm going to make myself miserable. I'm going to make everybody around me miserable and blah, 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 blah. If I go, what am I going to do? Haven't got a Scooby-Doo. Anyway, Still undecided, I go back to work and then, you know what it's like after a long absence, I go back to the office and there's a massive pile of mail outside, they've got to weigh your way through, trying to get the computer on and clear all the crap out of the room. While I'm doing this, the head of HR, Nick, walks past my door and goes, hi, Paul, how's the arm? I went, it's great, thank you, Nick. Have you got a minute? Don't know where this came from. He said, yeah, 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 come around to my office. Went around to his office, long story short, on about four weeks later, on the exact date of my 25th anniversary, I was out. Still without a clue of what I was going to do. Um, photography is my passion, yeah? And I love it. So I thought, I'll become a professional photographer. So as I did, I spoke to lots and lots of pro photographers who been in the business 10, 15, even one guy had been in the business 40 years. And they all said to me, yes, you can make money with it, but let me ask you a question. Do you love photography? I went, yes. I said, don't do it. I said, why not? Because you'll be competing against people who will work for free and you're going to have to slog your guts out to actually start making some money. And you thought, you know what? They're right. I don't really want to turn this thing that I love into something that I absolutely hate. And I thought, throw my kit away. So I'm thinking, oh shit, what am I going to do now? So 2018 was a year of discovery. I did a social dynamics course, took on a personal trainer, lost a lot of fat, put on some muscle. I did a 12-week stand-up comedy course, all kinds of stuff. And in the middle of that, I found someone who was teaching hypnosis and I've always had a fascination with the mind and neuro, you know, neuroscience and mesmerism and mind reading, all this kind of stuff. So I did this course. It was a one day taster. And I was working with this woman who had a fear of snakes. Now in the UK, for those of us that live here, snakes are non-existent. I mean, you've got grass snakes, which are rare and, you know, timid. You've got the adder, which is you've got more chance of being struck by lightning three times in a row than seeing an adder. It's the only venomous snake in the country. Anyway, so we did that and I thought, yeah, that's okay. This was a Saturday. The next morning, she sent me a video. Her and her family had gone for a walk in the woods. And the kids are kind of running around and hubby's a bit of an amateur, you know, he's got the, the video out and he's videoing everything. And she's walking along and you can hear him go, careful, darling, look, there's a massive wriggly worm in your path. You have to go around it. And she goes, no, 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 it's okay. And she gets on her hands and knees and very, very gently scoops up this worm and carries it across onto a bit of grass, barehanded, and puts it down the grass. Husband nearly drops his phone, launches a stream of expletives because he can't believe what he's just seen. And I'm going... Bloody hell, I've got a superpower. 
So I went to back to the guy that did the one-day taster, found out who trained him, went and worked with him, found out who trained him. And I went as far up the ladder as I could possibly go, bought every book, every course. And then I set myself up as a hypnotherapist because I just love helping people. I get a real kick out of helping people. And the, the thing with the hypnosis was I found that I was only helping people with one tiny aspect of their life, which is great, but there's still lots of other stuff. So then I thought, ah, all that mentoring and coaching and stuff I did in the corporate world, I can pull that out and become a coach. And that's what I did because now I can help people kind of holistically, I guess is the word is. We can look at the entire person and figure out, particularly in business, because like I said earlier on, there's no such thing as a business problem. It's all up here. We get in our own way. We procrastinate. We become perfectionists. We imposter syndrome. I'm such a fake, you know, and it's all in here. It's not real. And that's what I'm good at helping people with. And I just love it. I get such a buzz. <laughs> Absolutely. And you get some amazing results as well. I like the fact that there was one quote which you put out from Nikki Bottom, who was one of your clients, who basically just said, in short, you're a fucking legend, kiss, kiss, kiss. So just oh, yeah. show the power of the, the work which you do, Paul. I love that. Love that quote. Um, and you just slipped in there. You did a, um, a comedy course. Standard comedy, yeah, with a guy called Logan Murray. He's uh, written and directed for TV, movies. Uh, some of the biggest comedians in the UK have worked with him. He's absolutely amazing. And this was, I don't know, about 12 or 13, you know, full Saturdays, and we were learning what comedy is, how to write comedy. And we ended up having to do a live gig. I did two in the end uh, in front of a, a, a cold audience. And it was only a five-minute set. But five minutes is an eternity when it comes to doing stand-up. And I nearly didn't do it. I nearly didn't show up for the, the, the gig because the day before we had a, like a full day of rehearsal and I'd come up with some new material and basically I did it and Logan went, that's shit. <laughs> Literally, like it looks at me, that's shit. That's just going to fall flat for all kinds of reasons. And, you know, everybody else has got some great material. And they go, oh, God, now I'm going to be the one that's going to kill the audience. So I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And, you know, the negativity started spiraling. Then it came to Sunday morning. I'm not going to go. You know, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do it. It's going to be blah, 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 blah. And in the end, I thought, you know what? I've paid all this money. Everybody else is going, so I'm going to go. So I took my old material that I'd started off with, and I took that in, and I did the set, and I got a couple of hecklers. <gasps> I love hecklers. They're great because they really make the – because it's become spontaneous then – uh, this heckler was having to go and I was having to go back and the whole, and it was great. And I did my set, I got it recorded and it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Now, the reason I did it wasn't because I wanted to become a stand-up comic. I got a lot of respect for people like that that do that. And I, that wasn't me. I did it because I wanted to expand my comfort zone. I wanted to expand my, my skills, my ability. And there's nothing more scary than standing in front of an audience where you don't know anybody then you can't see anybody because the light's in your face and it's all the faces are dark. Yeah. Trying to be funny. Oh, scary as hell. But I did it and I, I'll never forget it. It's a fabulous experience. <laughs> did you, you did you know the um hypnotherapy at that point? Did you find yourself with that fear of like, oh God, what, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna cancel it. Did you have to do some hypnotherapy on yourself? No, I this is before I'd found oh, the hypnosis. This was just yeah. me doing the thing. And you know, it was um <clears throat> 
it was just fascinating because to be shut down like that, and he wasn't being nasty. I've got to really say that Logan wasn't being horrible. It was just explained to me why what I put together just didn't well, work. But you know, you know, I operate. Uh, well, we, I think we both do to a certain extent. But I operate a tough love or a hug kind of mentality when it comes to the, mm. the coaching work which I do with clients. And I, maybe that was Logan's way of giving you a bit of tough love there, just saying, like, because he he was doing it to save you. He didn't want to send you up onto the stage with the shit. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. And this is another bane of my life is coaches who want to be your friends. Hi, Robin. You didn't do the work we set last week. Oh, what happened? Oh, you weren't feeling too good. Oh, yeah, I know, mate. Yeah, no, no, no. But don't don't worry about it. We, we can do it next week. Are you feeling all right, though? Yeah. Coaches want to be your friend. They want to be your best mate. That is such a disservice to your client. Yeah, a client has given you money to help them, not to become your best buddy, because we can't be. Sometimes, like you said, you've got to be tough love. Okay, Robin, why didn't you do it? What stopped you? What, what was the problem? Did you not understand it? Then you can get to the root cause of what is actually going on with this person. Which if you go, oh, that's okay. Yeah, I know life gets in the way. Your kid was sick. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Don't worry about it. It doesn't really matter. Well, if it didn't really matter, why the flipping heck were you telling him to do it in the first place? It's a bit like I always liken it to a boxing coach. You know, imagine a boxing coach and he gets you into the ring to do a bit of sparring and all he does is come up and give you a nice big hug. And then your first fight, you know, eight weeks down the line, the guy comes and smacks you in the face and you're like, bloody hell, where did that come from? Like, it leaves you totally unprepared for it. Like, you've got to, you've got to get punched in the face a few times, haven't you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You've got people, like I said, there's no such thing as a business problem. So you've got to tell people what is actually going on. You're not doing the work, Robin. How on earth do you expect to get clients if you're not posting or doing this or doing whatever it is we've agreed you do? If you don't do that, you're not going to get clients. But it's scary. Yeah, so what? Do it anyway. Do you want to run this business? You've got to be brutal, with a small b you've got to smack your client in the face so they get used to being here because like you said there's nothing scarier than going into a ring with your gloves on and going like this hello (laughs) bang (laughs) and then you're lying on the deck going what the fuck happened there (laughs) and this is coaching this is it it's coaching one-on-one do not try and become your client's best buddy that's not your role yeah don't do it but you see it in the groups oh yeah i really want to be holistic with my client. I want to be one with them. I want to I want to smother them with love. Get off. Go and be a dolphin trainer if you want to do that. Don't you know don't don't be a don't be a coach because your coaches people don't need that. They don't they're not coming to you for brotherly love. They're not coming to you for warm, empathetic wibbliness. Yeah. They want you to put them straight. Yeah. Well, they want you to, they, like me as a coach, my thing is all about client results. I love love just seeing clients get good results. And sometimes the only way to do that is to help them to do stuff which they're not comfortable or used to doing. Yeah. But just there there are going to be people who are going to be watching this and listening to this who um, maybe they do have some personal problems going on for themselves at the moment. So maybe they've got, um, a, a, let's assume they're a business owner, um, naturally, as they would be in this group. But, um, but maybe they are lacking a bit of self-belief. Their confidence is low. Maybe they struggle with their determination terminational consistency so what if you had one piece of advice to just give people a bit of a lift what would that be right now don't bite off more than you can chew if you've actually got real stuff going on in your life that has to be dealt with deal with it and then say so okay how much time have i got to work on my business during the week 
And don't say, well, I've got all the time, because that's that's not true. Have you got an hour? Have you got four hours? Have you got 10 hours? Work out how much time you've got where you can sit down and work on your business and then use that time to work on your business. Don't try and overdo it. If you've got a kid, a child that's sick or you've got all kinds of other issues going on, that's your family stuff. That has to be dealt with first. So do that and deal with that and don't feel guilty or ashamed or anything else because that has to be dealt with. Yeah, and, and the, once the you're world with still that, spins. I think people put, do also, I know, granted what we've talked about, but people also do place a massive amount of importance on the success of their business. And like business is actually secondary. Business gives us the finance, the freedom and the fulfillment, which we can then you know, allows us to spend time with our family and do the stuff that we love. Like the business is secondary to all of the personal stuff as well. And I think people just place far too much of an importance on on the business side of things when if you actually just put it down for a day or two or even a week, that, you know, the business will still be there. It will always be there to come back to. Um, and I think that's some, that's a lesson which a lot of business owners need to just pay mm. some more attention to because otherwise it just builds this massive deep down internal pressure that then at some point it's going to just explode. Yeah, but on the other side of the coin, don't use that as an excuse. Oh, 100%. I mean, you can't, you know, if you don't do anything to it, it's, the entropy kicks in and it's going gonna, it's gonna to eventually just peter out and, you know, not fail, but it's just going to subside. Yeah, because I mean, one of the biggest issues that people have with business consistency, they'll go full on for a week and they'll put in 40 hours or 50 hours or 60 hours. They'll do loads and loads of content and there's loads and loads of stuff. And then the next week they'll do nothing. They'll do five hours. And then the week after that, they might do 15 hours or whatever. You need to be consistent. So if it's only an hour a week, then stick with that until you can eke out more time. I know a lot of people that are running this might have a full-time job as well, or they've got they're a single parent and they've got two or three kids to look after. I get it, I understand that. So that's why I say figure out what time you've got, but be consistent. So if it's five hours, do the five hours every single week because people will forget you. Not after a week, but after two weeks or three weeks or a month. If you're not around, they'll go, What happened to Paul? I really, I was following Paul. I was going to work with him when I was ready, you know, but he's disappeared. I've not seen him. And I've been guilty of this as well. I did this, you know, when I first started, because I, I fell into the trap of thinking, All I've got to do is tell people I do this and they'll come flocking to me. So I did a bit and people didn't flock and I got demoralized. Why are they not flocking to me? You know, build it and they will come. No, build it and nobody's going to show up unless you tell them you exist and you get the banners out there and the aeroplanes with a big sign and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, but you've got to be consistent. It's whatever time you've got, stick to that religiously almost. Yeah. Because that's how your business will grow over time. Set and manage those expectations and be consistent. Definitely. It's a really strong message. Cool. We've got two questions just to wrap the show up with. So, uh, first of all, Paul, what are you working on at the moment? How can people get hold of you? Okay, so I am working with a business owner because we, we spent what about an hour talking about this anxiety in business. We talk about people's personal anxiety, you know, like fear of going out or fear of loud, that kind of thing. But there's people that have this fear of their business. You know, what if I talk to that client and they get angry with me? What if I do this and other coach, other coach, other coaches? I hate them because they will they will jump on people. I'm doing some cold calling. Oh, you shouldn't cold call because that's that's unprofessional. Or you shouldn't cold DM. Do what works for you. 
Okay, so what I'm doing at the moment is I'm working with people to help them get over that anxiety of being in business, that anxiety of, well, what will all these other coaches say if I do this? What will all these other people say if I do that? What happens if, what happens if? Helping people just get out of their own way. Um, how can they reach me? Well, uh, my email is a really professional email. Are you ready for this? Info at a happyhead.co.uk. That you can get me anywhere. I've got a website, which is also a happyhead.co.uk. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and LinkedIn and WhatsApp. I'm on all of them, basically. So then you see my smiling, gorgeous face wherever you go. Nice. Thank you, Paul. We'll make sure we share all of those links in the show notes as well. So final question. I probably should have given you a heads up. I normally do before the start of the podcast, but I forgot. Sorry, Paul. I'm ready. But, but I know you, you were born ready. So there's, that was my intuition telling me I didn't need to forewarn you about this because you're such a professional. Um, so uh, we're going to jump into the fearless business time machine. It's a bit like the DeLorean from Back to the Future, but better. Um, and we, you get to set the date. Um, in the flux capacitor time machine. So we're going to go back to a date in your past and you're going to have a word with Paul T minus X years. So what year is it? And what are you going to say to him? Ooh. Okay. 1988. I've just finished working a season in Val d'Isere, which is a ski resort in France. And there are three options, which I'm not going to go into. And I chose option four. So what I would say to myself is go for option one, two or three, not option four. (laughs) I'd be really curious to know what those options were. However, option four has uh, led you down the path, which you've like ultimately ended up doing. And for us to meet and for me to have you on my coaching team here at Fearless Business and just to be good friends with you, Paul, as well, because you're you're just an amazing character. Um, So I I know I don't need to coach the coach or therapize the therapist um, because you know what the deal is with that. It sounded like there was a tinge of regret there that maybe options one, two or three might have been better. No, the, the, the regret was answering your question because I never looked back. Yeah, I, that, I know a lot of people go, oh, what if I'd done this? Oh, what if I'd done that? But I am where I am today because of all the life experiences that I've gone through. So if I'd gone back to 1988 and chosen option two, I'd been on a different path. And I've got no idea what that would be. It could be better, could be worse, could be the same. I've got no clue. But I am where I am right now because of all the things. And you need to listen to this, people. You are where you are right now. Whether it's a good place or a bad place or an indifferent place, you are where you are because of every single decision you have made. Not your mum, not your dad, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, not your pet rabbit. Every decision that you've made, that's where... So if you don't like it... Start making better decisions. Start taking the time before to do your research before you make the choice. Because every single one of us, Robin, me, the Queen, everybody, we are where we are because of decisions that we've made up until this moment. And those decisions will only change when you change how you make your decisions. Awesome. It's a really great way to wrap up, Paul. And um, so I'll be looking forward to on the next Fearless Get Together a five-minute stand-up comedy performance from you, Paul, if that's okay. Yeah, but you can't afford me. Sorry. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. Uh, You've been listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. My guest, Paul Wilson, who is a fantastic therapist and coach. Um, 
uh, that, that's it. We'll be sharing details on how to get hold of Paul. Uh, and if you do want to know a little bit more about Fearless Business as well, in terms of the work we do from a products and pricing and sales perspective, uh, do please jump onto the fearless.biz website. And if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes because it does help other people to find the podcast as well. There's some other great interviews on there as well from all sorts of amazing people just like Paul. Thanks again, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Take your shot. <laughs> I love that. Shameless plug. We're going to have a new cover. New cover for Take Your yeah, Shot. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Yeah, it's great. Take your shot. <laughs> <laughs>